1: Um, but, you know, in our league, there's no place for that. Um, you know, honestly, I hope he's never allowed to come to an NBA game because he shouldn't have did that. Um, there is no place for that. And, you know, and luckily, you know, they, they threw him out. I talked to league's uh, security already and um, explained myself. And, you know, I don't really, you know, the fans have a place. I, we sure. love our fans. But fans like that, fans like that, they shouldn't be allowed to be in there because, you know, it, it's not right.
0: Oh, 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 oh. here we go! Thursday, June 6, 2019, thank you for downloading, and thank you for all the feedback that you gave me off of yesterday's podcast, where I read the specific complaints of one listener and one subscriber. I won't go over all the uh, feedback here, because I got one piece of feedback, which was, Jesus, Abe, 11 fucking minutes on people complaining about your podcast release dates? Enough already. I kept fast-forwarding, 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 so I won't take... 11 minutes, I'll just say uh, uh, the feedback was very instructive, and I'm getting a clearer picture of kind of the way people use and consume podcasts. Many of you say you listen to five, six, seven podcasts regularly, and will often listen to them at greater than just normal speed, at one and a half speed. That blows me away. It also sort of frustrates me thinking, you know, as a professional broadcaster, my tempo my pace, my inflection, strategic pauses to let a certain point breathe are being compromised by you impatient jackanapes who are like hurry up hurry up give me the give me the info i need to get it all in let's go let's go let's go let's go let's go so with that said one minute and 15 seconds into the show let's get <clears throat> let's get right to it talk about a swift swift moving mob my god the the man who pushed Kyle Lowry, the shove heard round the world has taken off in less than 24 hours. That got out of hand quickly. It turns out that the guy who dared to just push with one hand, Kyle Lowry, who had flown into the stands just to move his shoulder, maybe six inches and say something mean to him. According to sources, it was uh, fuck off Lowry or something like that. Uh, He has been revealed to be part owner Mark Stevens, who owns a 7% chunk of the Golden State Warriors. By the time the news cycle ended today on Thursday, he had been given a one-year ban from all NBA games and was fined an insane $500,000. Now, I know the counter-argument to, what do you mean it's insane? This was the NBA clearly saying they're not going to tolerate fans putting their hands on players when they happen to go into the stands. Okay, I get that on a certain level, but then again, this is craziness because now the next time a fan or the next time a player dives into the stands to try to retrieve a ball, any touch, any grab, any what could be helping motion could be determined as, Was that hostile or not? Because one of the guys actually grabbed the back of the jersey of Kyle Lowry in what looked to me initially as a bit of an aggressive type move. And instead it was um, maybe, I don't know, an effort to keep him from falling further over. I don't know. It just, we are now in the realm of... It's never enough to be sensible and proportionate, which is, yeah, he got kicked out of the game because he pushed Kyle Lowry and started talking shit. Kicked out of the game, and he will not be allowed to sit courtside anymore during the finals. He can go to games, but he's got to sit somewhere out of sight. And that's that. Like, that would be the appropriate punishment. One-year ban, $500,000. They're going to push. I'm telling you. And by they, I mean guys like LeBron James, who went off on Instagram about how wrong this was and then said, What if it was the other way around? What if, you know, Kyle Lowry turned around and took a swing at a guy? Then what? You'd be calling for his. I think LeBron James's language was completely over the top, but it didn't happen. That's the thing. How about we uh, administer justice based on what happens, not on what could have happened, what might have happened? By the way, what about the woman standing up as the ball's bouncing out of bounds who tries to bat the ball out of the way so that Lowry can't go retrieve it? What about players who say, ooh, I'm on the road. I hate these fucking rich-ass fans who are giving me shit courtside. And guess what? I'm going to go dive for a loose ball that I know I'm not going to get. And I'm just going to make sure I'm all elbows and legs. Elbows, knees, and legs. Whoa! Excuse me. The woman that was sitting second row got the worst of Kyle Lowry's missile dive. She got slammed back. Sometimes little kids are involved in these courtside dust ups. Of course, once upon a time, basketball was played inside a cage, and basketball players and teams were called cagers. Rich Schwatkin, who is the longtime voice of the Georgetown Hoyas, still uses that term. Schvatkin's the best. He just sounds like an old. And the Cagers of Georgetown take on Providence tonight in a real muscle tussle in the Big East Conference. Thank you for joining us tonight on Georgetown Basketball. Still does that, still does that today. That's uh, Old Rich's style. Great guy. Great announcer. Cagers. Yeah, they'd put cages up there. <laughs> Can you imagine if somebody suggested? Well, I think for the safety of fans and to keep the fans from interacting with the, the paid. Uh, or keep the fans from interacting adversely with the players, we need to put cages back up like it was back in the 40s or whenever that was. What are you saying? That they're animals? Cages? Oh, you're a racist. It was a bad week for this guy. This guy was an idiot, Mark Stevens. He was a fake-ass tough guy in rumpled chinos, a guy who's worth like $4 billion. So the hunt, 500 grand's not going to... Not going to hurt him. Nobody's going to cry for that. They may not even collect the money. I don't know how they would do that. He'll probably sell his shares anyway because the the drumbeat I'm sure to say drive out Mark Stevens. Kyle Lowry said there's no place like that for there's no place in our game for a guy like that. Guys apparently on several board of directors at Stanford University and everything else. It's possible, and I know this is crazy, that Mark Stevens is a hell of a guy a hell of a nice family man philanthropist community leader nah let's just direct our ire at him let's let's smoke down white privilege here let's go ahead and make this a teachable moment rich owner and of course the warriors then started calling him an investor during the day on Thursday, and people on Twitter took issue with that, saying, oh, no, he's just an investor. He owns 7% of the team. Oh, he's just an investor. Pretty soon they'll be calling him some guy that gave us money that we don't know to try to distance themselves from this evil, evil man who who pushed Kyle Lowry. Poor baby. I hope Kyle Lowry gets the appropriate um, trauma counseling from this. I hope he's okay after this. I know it's a, it was a very tough event last night. For him, very traumatic, may never be the same player again. So on the one hand, there's this push to not call owners owners. And then when it suits the purposes of those with an agenda, when the Warriors say, well, this guy's a 7% owner, he's an investor in the team. Oh, you're not going to call him an investor. You call him what, what we want in this case, which is an owner. He's an evil owner who's putting his hands on the indentured help. It's just such nuts. It's so crazy. I mean, Ron Artest ran into the stands, igniting a riot at the malice at the palace. Ron Artest went after some kid who didn't even throw the cup of ice that started it all, the match into the powder keg, went after some kid. Mayhem ensued. Did they ban Ron Artest for life? No. But people are calling for that. They're saying they've got to make this guy, they got to run this guy out of the NBA. There's no proportion, that's all. I'm not trying to defend some hedge fund douchebag, some venture capitalist billionaire in his rumpled khakis who thought he was going to be Johnny Tough Guy for one night. But at the same time, I'm all for proportion. I'm all for sensibility. This is not good for anybody that mob justice and overreaction like this is allowed to flourish. Someone has to be the reasonable voice to go, okay, wait a minute, let's not go nuts here. But going nuts is what the internet does best. It gets us all whipped up into a frenzy. And in a related story from last night, the wife of the owner of the Warriors, who was seen uh, leaning across Beyonce to talk to Jay-Z, her husband, and it looked like she had turned a happy Beyonce into an annoyed Beyonce by a six-second gif that was shown Actually, this uh, wife of the owner uh, was just asking Jay-Z, according to Ramona Shelbourne's reporting, just asking Jay-Z if he wanted a lime in his vodka soda or not, because it was too loud to hear him in the very noisy Oracle Arena. And the six-second clip caused the beehive, or beehive I don't know how you say it, Beyonce, the beehive, to go crazy. And she had to shut off her Instagram because of death threats. Now, again, the wife of a billionaire owner in uh, the, the Warriors, uh, Joe Lacob, the, the wife of a billionaire owner, if the worst thing that ever happens in her life is that she has to shut off her Instagram account, no one's going to cry for her. But at the same time, it just shows you how crazy things are now. It just shows you how, how far from reason and sensibility we have come. It's how easily the tech giants have manipulated us to attack, attack, Remorselessly attack, cancel people, destroy people, see the worst in people. It's also kind of unfortunate that Beyonce didn't say anything as soon as she saw this bubbling up on the internet. Like, hey, whoa, whoa. You picked one reaction. Who knows what I was thinking at the time. I was just going into a resting, relaxed face. And next thing I know, you think that I'm annoyed at the wife of the owner of the Warriors, who gladly invited me to the game, it's nuts. That said, Warriors are in a tight spot after last night. Yes, they are tight spot to say the least. The game was ragged. The game was not good, and without Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant, they basically had no chance. Steph Curry was spectacular. And incredibly fun to watch. There is that one three where here comes Curry floating in the open court, up court, on a on a on a sort of a half break, not a break away, but open court transition. Curry is dribbling like he's floating. And he does this slick little behind the back crossover, darts a couple steps to his right, stops on a dime, does a hard crossover pullback dribble. And pulls up for a wide-open three in one fluid motion. It hits the front rim, kisses off the backboard, gets the shooter's touch, and drops. Absolutely spectacular. What a talent. What a player. And yet, there's always going to be this sort of uh, image gap with Curry in terms of his greatness as a player because he's small and he comes from lineage with his dad. And I read one article that talked about how Andre Aguinala thinks that Steph Curry doesn't get the benefit of the accolades he should because it's perceived that basketball is an inner city game and that Steph Curry is a suburban kid. That Steph Curry has mad driveway game, as I like to say. That is unfair. That is unfair, but that's perhaps the way the the basketball reality is with Steph Curry. Also he's you know he doesn't look or act he looks like a kid he's got childlike features and i think when we put our best players our superstars they're always larger than life they're like superheroes and they're men and steph curry is always going to look like a kid he's even though he's a grown ass man he's always going to look like the kid who mows your lawn or delivers papers or comes knocking on your door ah uh, do you mind if i shoot baskets in your in your driveway? Sure, kid, go ahead. That's what he looks like. But he was spectacular, but he was not enough in scoring 47 points with pretty much no help around him. Jonas Derebko is worthless. I hate him. I'll talk more about him with uh, Ron Thomas here in just a second. And now that Kevin Durant's been ruled out already for Game 4, even though there was some speculation that he and Clay could come back for Game 4, it's further... Pushing what I think is my dark alternate theory. My dark web alt theory on Kevin Durant is this. The Warriors have been lying the whole time about his injury. It's not a calf. It's an Achilles. It's an Achilles strain. Not a blown Achilles, but a strained Achilles that they're hoping that he might be able to get better, but they don't want to say it for some reason. There was ice pack. There was ice on on Kevin Durant's leg last night. You could see it in the tunnel as he was trying to pump up his teammates. Did it look like he was on his calf to me? No. It was down around his ankle, whereas Achilles is. I don't buy it. I had a trainer say uh, to me, text me on the show this afternoon saying, "Uh, I'm a trainer and I've blown out my Achilles twice. You are 100% correct. This ain't no fucking calf injury. I just go back to when the injury first happened, the way it happened, and the way Durant reacted and by what Dr. David Chow said initially on Twitter, which was looks like an Achilles and I think the Warriors changed their tune after they said, mm, possible Achilles, we'll have to see. And then they're like, oh no, it's a calf injury. Okay. My only thing I don't know is what's their game? What are they going for? What's their angle, per se, to be pushing this non truth forward? Don't know, but maybe it will be revealed sometime soon. Men's college basketball three point line is moving back a foot to 22 feet, one and three quarters inches. It'll match the international line. We'll talk to Ron Thomas about that in just a second. And then there's this India is roasting under a heat wave with temperatures above 120 degrees. Oh my God. (laughs) imagine going to downtown. Uh, Oh, where would it be in India? um, Capital of India. What is the capital of India? Imagine going to India and it's a 120. New Delhi. Downtown New Delhi. Imagine that at 120. I bet that smells quite aromatic. You got to be careful here because you don't want to imply that people who are, that Indians are any smellier than Americans. Or Frenchmen. Although I bet France at 120 degrees would also be horrible. But India, which uh, has obviously its struggles with the lower class and poverty. I mean, I saw Slumdog Millionaire. You probably did too. Sewage and plumbing is not exactly state-of-the-art. There's standing puddles of water. And given the fact there's not a lot of indoor plumbing nor air conditioning, anyone who lives there works up their own good broth of musk. Now take all that and, of course, all the people in India. I mean, it's unbelievable mass of humanity. You take that and you crank it up to 120, good luck. Hope it cools down there. I'm sorry about that, India, but welcome to summer. All right, let's talk to Ron Thomas, our man, about last night's game and the series as it stands, maybe a little bit of golf and everything else in between. Hello. Well, well, well. Looks like we have a series on our hands, Mr. Thomas. For the first time all year, the Golden State Warriors are no longer favored by the Vegas odds makers to win the championship. How about them apples?
1: Geez, I don't know. Last night was such a strange game. It's been a strange series so far. And, you know, you putting up what you did on Twitter, uh, which I hadn't seen.
0: Which was one. What?
1: going up for the 3 and flopping, you know, uh, yeah, three, let's, doing the doing the Michael Jackson. Yeah, let's talk about splits. that for a okay. second
0: because you are both a basketball player and you are a referee. Now was was, well, you once, know.
1: once was always will be.
0: Exactly. It's sort of like <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, you don't re- you don't refer to uh uh Marines as retired Marines. They're former right. former Marines like your buddy Dave Adams, former Marine sniper right?
1: Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Right. Simpify.
0: Okay, so anyway, um, you are you are a guy that is refed. I looked at that play so many times because I was trying to figure out, was this a flop that could cost the Warriors the title, or did he really get bumped in a way that caused him to land awkwardly? And the first two angles I saw looked like Danny Green missed him, but then a third angle from behind and on the near sideline or whatever sideline it was, showed that he did get bumped, but... Even though he got bumped, I'm 1,000% convinced, Ron, that Clay Thompson oversold the contact by going giraffe-legged on the landing, and he unfortunately landed wrong. And I will stand by that to the death. I don't believe the bump caused his legs to splay out. Now, you may have a different opinion. What would you say? No, see?
1: not at all. Steve, they're all uh, exaggerating everything when it comes to taking shots, especially the three-point shot, and... It doesn't make sense because, you know, the, the shot does not – when you go up to take the shot, the release, of course, is the most important part, but fundamental basketball, fundamental teachings and fundamental form dictates that you come back down in the spot from where you took the shot. And in doing so, when you, when you take a, a solid-looking shot, a fundamental shot, you're going to more than likely – I shouldn't say this in the NBA, especially with Mark Davis officiating, but <laughs> you're going to get more calls. A good official in college, especially, <sighs> is going to look at you. In high school, is going to look at you and you know do the flop or the embellishment. You know, you're the you leg kick out. The, the Reggie Miller sh- leg shouldn't kick get out. That call. Well, and of it, course you shouldn't so get reflective. it. Reflective. I know. It's so you, reflective of the times. I basketball know. across the board.
0: I know. But. By Going the way, back to you say, hold, on, inst- hold yeah. on, I have to interject here. You say Go it ahead. doesn't make sense for him to do that. I would gently disagree saying it makes sense because you have to sell contact because it works. Look at, like, I talked to you last night off air right after Boogie Cousins drew a foul on Mark Gasol for a three-point shot where he basically marched into Gasol's outstretched arm and you blew a gasket saying what a horseshit call that was. That's, what why meant, guys, that's why guys do it. It's just too bad that Clay Thompson, the guy who I like, who is generally, I don't think, a flopper, oversold a call, fucked up his hamstring, missed a game, may not be 100% in Game 4, and if they end up losing the series, it'll be the flop that cost a championship.
1: What I meant by it doesn't make sense is from a shooter's standpoint, he is the greatest shooter, the smoothest shooter. He's sick that has ever played the game now curry has deeper range has i'm not even going to say a quicker release because they're different kinds of shooters deeper range
0: better handle niftier switchback moves but you're right clay thompson squares up and rises up so quick and has such a compact efficient stroke and his threes go down like perfectly they'll glance the back iron and yeah. the net barely fucking moves. I know. <laughs> it's organic. But so when I
1: say it doesn't make sense, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, are we taking a three-pointer to make the basket or to get a foul call?
0: Well, both, if possible. <laughs> well, do, do you know why? There was a whole article written, Ron, about uh, how Daryl Morey and the Rockets figured out that in terms of efficiency, the most efficient play in basketball is shooting three free throws on a three-point attempt. Right. The clock is not moving. And for a good shooter, it's the highest return on your investment per shot. And so, therefore, Harden got really good at drawing fouls on threes. Yeah. But it's fucked the the game up because the referees, as much as they try not to call it, it happens so quick. It's like this magic trick. It's hard not to call it.
1: Well, there's two two things. One if they called it on everybody, it'd be different, or in favor of every shooter, it'd be different. You, the biggest right. foul on a three-point shot in the entire series will be the foul that was committed against Kyle Lowry last night. Uh, or who took the deep, who took the crazy three-pointer? Van no. Van when they showed his lips and he I said and that one. was an and one. Right. And if you watch that, I mean, that was the biggest foul. And, of course, Mark Davis was 10 feet from the play, didn't make the call. If that's a superstar, that call is made right. every but, time. But
0: the game was over. It was a 10-point lead. Uh, there was a minute well, and a half to go. And so they pretty much pocketed their whistles. You're right, though. You're right, though, that the calls in the NBA go scu- skewed towards the stars. What I liked about Van Vliet, and I, I generally uh, don't like him because he beat my bucks, but uh, Van Vliet yeah. was really calm after that. Like, he wasn't hysterical. He was just, like, going... And that was a foul too, and
1: I was like, yeah. nice oh, yeah. restraint." That was funny. Yeah, it was an and one too. He said, uh, "These guys, it's it's gotten so ridiculous." I've I've used this with you before. It's WWF.
0: Now, having so said that, these how do guys, we how do we how do we well, adjust for it? How these do we...
1: guys can these guys can officiate. There are three officials last night: John Goble, who this is I think his third finals, okay, and then Mark Davis, who uh, I will not say a lot of bad things about you already don't think he's as good of an official but he's a naval academy graduate and being a naval academy guy (laughs) not i didn't go there but i'm a big supporter so from that area yes and kane fitzgerald is this is his first and uh i you know i think they officiated the game well but uh but you know and i think it was the obvious reason why it was officiated better and in the eyes of a lot of Warriors fans it was unfair is because Durant and Clay weren't on the court to get those calls and the more opportunities you have to make a call in favor of a superstar the more outcome is going to be affected you know in favor of the team with the most superstars so that's another reason why it's so imperative to have superstars in the game is because the officiating is skewed in your favor a great deal. Yeah. so to fix it there's no way to fix it it's embedded in the game unfortunately yeah and well, I, I can't stand it
0: what else did you take away from the game itself and will you will you uh, join me in killing jonas Derebko, who i just think is the worst every time i see that dumbass running around he does nothing right
1: nothing. no he he spots up at the three-point line um i, I would some things i'll say danny green that, the block shot that he had. That was unbelievable, the game. Like, him, huh? Yeah, Quinn Cook, who was a good ball player. He's a Duke boy, I believe. For him to think he's got a wide-open layup. <laughs> I mean, these guys get up and down the court in, insanely fast. Yep. And you don't expect Danny Green to come up and make a, a block shot like that. I also take away from it that last night's game that um draymond green is certifiably nuts i'm not going to call him a malcontent (laughs) but he is a hell of a basketball player um he's a you know we've talked about it i have expressed to you how important i think he is to the team obviously he is but but he's not a
0: number two that's also what was shown that when the top two stars are out or two of the top three stars he can't be a number two he's a He's a complimentary guy. There were people talking about him as a Hall of Famer at one point. I'm like, get yeah. the fuck out of here well, on that. Well,
1: he, he's good. Lowry was so good last night. He was so good. I mean, he hit the shots that had to be hit. Also, something that is just so important is the size of Toronto, which is why I... You picked him. Uh, I picked You them. picked him in seven, didn't you? I did, but <laughs> I picked them a long time ago. I picked them in February. After I saw him play at the Wizards, and I've talked about it on this podcast in a previous episode, but the size, the size and the rebounding so much of Golden State's scoring, Steve, and you know, this comes from second chance points. Yeah, and they didn't get second chance points. They're not getting second chance, you know, the, the long rebound or the, the kind of weak side rebound that comes off and all of a sudden, right. Uh, Curry's so good at moving without the ball, they know right where he's going to be. The kick out, the three, boom, the crowd goes nuts. Timeout, blah blah blah. But when you heard, you, rebound, you, you heard Ibaka the catch was so. Huh? Yeah,
0: you heard the catchphrase that Kawhi used to say in college all the time at San Diego State, right? What? Boardman, Boardman gets paid. Oh, they said when he would play pickup games and in college, he would just blurt out little things like buckets, buckets. Nope, nope. <laughs> Boardman. Boardman gets paid. Yeah. <laughs> almost Ibaka like almost was, like Rain Man, they said. Of course. And, and, Ibaka yeah. was
1: huge last night. Serge was huge. Played so big. Played. He's already a big guy, but he played so big. Uh, I mean, Kawhi, his hands, if you oh, get a chance. Oh,
0: ridiculous.
1: It is insane.
0: That's why he's called the Claw. and the, And he's suing Nike over a logo and the nickname the Claw.
1: I didn't know that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. They like I did Nike. Not know that. Nike came out with like a logo and they were using the claw and he's like, hey, wait a minute on that front. Right. But yeah, How he... about his shoulders. It's crazy. The, this, he...
1: the whole package, his arms are so long, and at the end of those long arms are these hands. Like that play, it really gave you an idea. Uh you know, Curry can defend. He's a really good defender. And for as much as I, I guarantee you there are very few players in the history of the league that have traveled more uh, more feet or you know footage if you will on a basketball court in the amount of time than he's played. He's always moving you know,
0: you know there the but... they're tracking that now, Ron and I don't know where to go to access the information perhaps mm-hmm. one of our uh, very astute listeners of this <laughs> podcast will direct us to where it is but they're now using the like military tracking software with the cameras and the rafters right. and they track every player they track average speed of movement. <sighs> They track amount of feet traveled per minute of game time because mm-hmm. they want to know all this stuff.
1: Well, and, and you know how we know that is because our boy John Wall, yes, whom most of us despise, he, is like the lowest in the league.
0: He was he <laughs> was like tracked as one of the lowest, slowest moving guards in the league. Yeah, it's just terrible. And that includes the, that includes him when he's at top speed, where he's like the fast one of the fastest guys in the league. Most of the other time he's just floating out there. Like he's yep. on a, on an inner tube in the lazy river, but okay. Yep.
1: And the, the well, hold on the point I was going to make though is when late in the game when Kawhi made that big bucket underneath when when Steph was guarding him, Steph literally got bounced out of there like it right. was nothing and it left Kawhi just a little drop in off the off the glass. All right.
0: So net net because they've already declared Durant out for Friday, is Golden State fucked? Yes or no? no? No, they're not
1: because of the a four mentioned officiating for one. They need this series to go to at least six Uh, golden state wins Friday. And I think they win by, I'm going to guess maybe 11 to 12. Yeah. They're going to get, it's going to be a, it's going to be silly fouls called. It's going to be like early in the game. You're going to have some perimeter reaches on Lowry where he's just going to be shaking his head, and then they're going to get Kawhi on some silly things, and that's how they're going to do it. There's, there's no cool. way Toronto wins that game. Absolutely. If I were a betting man, I would Golden take, State's uh, minus
0: six, I think, minus five now, and a half. All something day. Like
1: that. All day. <laughs> all
0: day. Uh, okay. Yeah. In, other, in other basketball news, did you see where the college three-point line is being moved back a foot to 22 feet, one and three-quarters inches, which is an odd measurement, but it's the international line, do you think it's going to make a difference? When did that come out? Two days ago. How, when
1: did, how did I miss that? I don't know you how you I missed You were working.
0: That's right. No, I playing don't golf. know how
1: I missed that. Yeah, Well, I was two days ago. Yes, I was playing golf, and so, I played yesterday. Good for you. Uh, um, so, yeah,
0: they've moved it back a foot. Do you th- Will it make a difference? And if so, how? And what are your thoughts on if this is a good thing or not?
1: I think it's a good thing because it's going to hopefully, which I don't think it will, but hopefully it's going to uh, cause guys to second thing, you know, to think twice before just chucking it and maybe get the ball more inside.
0: You think one Um, foot is going to do that?
1: uh, You know, well for some of the guys, some of the bigger guys, yeah, who I'm not saying they can't reach the basket, but That extra foot is maybe going to cause for a little bit more inaccuracy. I think it's good. I really do. I think the line's been too close for a long time. I'm I'm just such a Steve. I wish the ball went into the post more. I just want the ball. You know, when you get the ball in the post, it opens up the three point line. I know it's wishful thinking, and I know it's gone. Uh, Those days are gone. But wonder if they played.
0: Wonder if they played a high level game and you'd have to somehow create an incentive to play really hard with no three-point line, mm-hmm. or, or maybe just a seven-game series. You know, this would be an interesting summer league thing in the NBA, just as a, as a petri dish experiment. Peel the line up, say they're all two, go play basketball, see who wins, and see, see what a game looks like. Not that it would ever happen. I mean, we're not going to get rid of the three-point line, but I could envision maybe someday the three-point line is way out there. It's like literally 30 feet. So, yeah, yeah, you could take a three, but you're going to go back to the days of the early 80s when teams would average seven or eight threes a game yep. as a team.
1: Yep. I, I like that idea, actually. I, I also like your, what was it, your
0: four-point shot? Four-point shot. Point? One of these days, four-point shots coming. It's just a matter of time. you got to hang hey, let's in let's
1: remember too. the team that won the national championship this, this year, although they did it, you know, it was a bit of a fluke the way it came about, right. but... That team went into the post more than any team in the
0: country. All right, let's talk softball for a second because you were touting how much you loved watching it. Thrilling finish to the championship with UCLA and Rachel Garcia playing the star role. I assume you watched it all and ate it up. I watched all of them. I watched (laughs)
1: for four days in a row. I watched every game that was on, for real.
0: I got this email from someone in softball nation. I've I've learned over the years. Certain beehives in sports, like super passionate fan bases in sports, you don't want to throw a rock at that beehive because those bees will come flooding out and sting the fuck out of you. Softball is one of them. Get this email. Ready? Yep, Your comments on women's and girls' softball was offensive to people and not just females everywhere. Not liking the sport is fine. I don't. But disrespecting it and the athletes that play it is not. The girl, whose name you could not remember from UCLA, is Rachel Garcia. And I feel pretty confident you wouldn't want to have to face her in any athletic situation. (laughs) And by the way, she's amazing, as are all the women playing on that stage. To insinuate that female athletes aren't as tough as male athletes is inaccurate, uninformed, and the problem with too many people. To take away from these athletes, and you can refer to them as such instead of girls, only makes you look as weak and as 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 you insinuated these athletes are. The time, the training, and the hard work these athletes put in, knowing there is no chance at a million-dollar contract and worldwide fame, shows a love of the game that would be hard to find in any professional sport. Oh, and check your facts. Softball is back in the Olympics. The sport is on the rise, and I'm sorry you're going to miss out on it. (laughs) Holy uh, fuck.
1: How did it feel getting that email? I did indifferent. It was, or did it, it was,
0: make you think? Ah, they bounce off me nowadays. I've, I've okay. been called worse by better, as the saying goes. Look, I was, I was more fascinated by it because clearly this person heard what I said. This was me and Jay talking after I talked to Is you. Is
1: it a man or a woman who sent you that email?
0: What do you think? A woman. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you think? Do you think a man holds these level of grudges? Uh, do you maybe, think a if man...
1: they, maybe if they had a daughter who played or a niece or something. Ah.
0: Anyway, um, go ahead. Anyway, so obviously they listened to what I said and responded at least specifically to some of the points I made. The part of the discussion that I had with Jay because I've dovetailed off your conversation with me about how much you love watching it. And Jay's a baseball guy having played baseball, and he was like, eh, yeah, softball doesn't do it for me either. I said I'd just rather have these girls play baseball. But I speculated that entry to baseball for girls might be a bit tougher because it's such a hard game, and it's no fun getting hit by a pitch, which is part of the game of baseball. And that might, you know, sort of deter some girls from playing actual hardball. You'd also have the problem of, how do you scale the diamond properly for a girls' baseball game?
1: Are you talking, when you say girls, are you talking 9 to 14? I'm talking 16? youth.
0: I'm okay. talking gotcha. basically a girls' little league. Now, I had, a, I had girls in our little league system when I was growing up, and there's usually always one or two. Right. And that's great. But I'm thinking of a parallel universe where there's – boys baseball and girls baseball that turns into high school boys and girls baseball and just parallel tracks. Cause I think baseball is a better game.
1: Well, it's apples and oranges. We're comparing two completely different. Oh, I know. Sports.
0: I know. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I, I just I think that her
1: yeah. part of her offense was, and I used to date a girl when I was a, and she was a girl at the time when she was, uh, you know, we were hippies and she was a hippie. And I said, girl one time. And she said, women oh, or woman. Boy. And, with so a, I, with and a no, why? I'm okay with that. So I think that this person probably knowing that these women are in college, then they become women. They aren't girls anymore. And so, Remember. no, I'm just saying, I know why she's saying can,
0: that, but God yeah. damn it. Girls, boys, guys well, and gals, men and women, <sighs> women have got to get the fuck over people calling young women, girls from time to time. Cause young men are called guys and boys sometimes. It's yeah. enough already, but that's a separate rant. Okay. So all I said, I acknowledge that they're very good at the game. I actually said some nice and sensitive things about softball that I guess were just ignored in the process. But I just, yeah. I just don't think, you know, there was actually some pretty good action in these games where oh, there's, a of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of no hitters that are thrown and, this
1: well and that's the thing i mean if you're into offense you're not going to watch it but if you're into drama and if you're into you know I, i'm a, i'm a fan of the which i never thought i'd say this but i'm a fan of the cheering and the whole really? team oh yeah the full team involvement yeah, yeah, with the let's fans.
0: go come on rachel I, get a hit no, they've got all their chance well, they've got all their little things than, It's more involved than that i mean i Oh, there's, just, it's very high in spirit. See, yes. I come at this, Ron. I covered this shit in college. And by shit, I mean wonderful game of softball. I said yeah. with Jay, I covered women's softball, women's volleyball. I even did water polo. I broadcast a game on the radio station for water polo. People found that to be quite hilarious. We reenacted how horrible that must have sounded.
1: But UC Santa Barbara softball is not Alabama UCLA.
0: No, but we didn't suck. Oklahoma, we didn't Florida. suck.
1: No, you didn't suck. We weren't you terrible. Weren't at that up, you weren't at the literally well, the pinnacle of the game. But a
0: lot of the better West Coast teams would roll through te- roll through campus and play us. Yeah, the UCLA's, uh, believe- the Arizona States, and whatnot. I, look, it just wasn't my cup of tea. I just and I,
1: and that's normal. And that's I mean that's it is normal. It's more normal for a person, not just a man, a person to not be into women's fast pitch softball. And I need to be fully transparent. It's not like I was watching women's fast-pitch pit, fast softball all season. I know. You I just, didn't have on the SEC you, Network you dropped in.
0: You dropped in for the championship, yeah.
1: Well, no, I, and the, I did watch some games leading up to it. And again, to be fully transparent, I'm a guy who is attracted to girls, women, young women. And some of them are really attractive. And some of them look really good in their baseball or softball pants. Oh, I and love I can, it. Uh, yeah,
0: Jenny, and Jenny said that that,
1: yeah. but that's not why I'm watching. You know, I love, and <laughs> in fact, here's something crazy. One of the guys, one of the new owners at our golf club, at the Cannon Club, his name is Joe Tucker. And Joe Tucker at one time was ranked in the top 20. No, uh, he was ranked number 12 in men's fast pits fast pitch softball in the United States. And I know that because during our conversation the other night, he texted me a picture of the rankings and his name was circled. He circled it. So I've, and I, Joe always enjoys me when we talk about fast-pitch softball because he's so surprised that I watch it. Like I talked to him about the king in the court. They came to our small town one time.
0: Tell people I who couldn't. the king in the court is. The
1: king in the court is one guy, the king, and he had a team, and he only had, I think, four it's fielders a
0: male. It's a male professional slow-pitch softball team. Oh, no, not slow-pitch. Oh, fa- oh, really? Okay, fast-pitch. Oh, pitch. my gosh.
1: Male, male,
0: pitch, yeah. male adult, professional, fast-pitch softball team that would tour the country barnstorming. These were like the best male softball players in the world.
1: Yeah, and the King pitched up into his 70s, and I I think you can count how many games he lost on one hand over his entire career. It's insane. And they would play against the very best all-star teams that a town could throw at them like they did at our town. And they, I mean, they got beat 30 to something right. 30 to 5 or
0: Although something Although there's a and whole it... separate argument about is it douchey for men to play softball at at a competitive level cuz it's a game it's a watered down version of baseball that is designed for women so,
1: But it's but it's it's softball I, I know. and baseball's baseball I, and so you I know. make that argument you, you're saying that there is an argument out there and anybody I think that would make that argument is ridiculous because okay. if you watch a men's fast pitch softball game up close this, this shit is crazy oh i know they, how hard they're throwing i joe know throws joe said he was throwing the ball 80 to 85 miles per hour in his heyday right and you know the, how close they but are. the ball's that, huge oh my but it's just moving and i love watching <laughs> I the video of jenny finch right uh, when she struck out you know Conseco and all those guys they couldn't come close to it I love the NCAA championships regardless of what it is. I'll watch any NCAA championship. I think I'm with
0: you in that I love women athletes, especially attractive ones. And even those that may not have your classic, normal, attractive qualities, one of the big attractive qualities in any person, man or woman, is confidence. And so when I see an alpha bitch, and I mean that with the highest of you know compliments, when I see an alpha chick playing a sport, doesn't matter what it is, that is an instant. I love it. Love yeah. it. I love seeing women that are just badass at whatever it is they do. Competitive, Competitive. Fierce. That's like, I remember we were remember we were watching the Olympics uh, six, seven years ago when uh, Lindsey Vaughn was winning her last gold medal in the downhill and we were calling each other and I was like, God, I fucking love this man. <laughs> Look at how she attacks that mountain. Yeah. What she's doing is fucking insane. And yeah. by the way, she's pretty fucking hot too. Yeah.
1: You know, it's funny. There's another reason that I really like women's softballs, because in my same hometown, Zionsville, Indiana, we was a big softball town. Okay, we held the state championships. Actually, it was the regional championships for the state of Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, Kentucky. So it was all the best teams from those states would come and they would play at our park. We had this really nice park. We still have it. And so these women, t- t- I mean, you know, at the time, girls, young women would come and they would play for an entire week. And a lot of the girls would stay with host families. And I was never a host family, but my buddies were host families. So I spent a lot of time over at their house. Uh, when they were <laughs> but
0: OK, but now I, but I it's it. fully I, revealed. I, yeah, I, no, but Ron. I
1: enjoyed watching it. <laughs> I, like, of course you did. Like, I'll never forget, like a couple of the girls were the daughter of. Uh, one of like the tight end coach at Notre Dame at the time who coached Bavaro right, and those guys, right, right. and he was this badass. So I was watching his daughters play, and they were course, badasses. And there's this Notre Dame football coach right here.
0: You know what, Ron? We now know one of your first crushes was on a softball player. Totally. And totally. so, there, so that's it. Okay, let's uh, get to some golf here. Pebble Beach is going to be front and center next week for the U.S. Open. I sent you a picture that I saw on Twitter. Someone dug it up. Apparently, once upon a time, developers were going to turn Pebble Beach Golf Links, before it was even a golf course, they were going to turn that piece of immaculate, God-created wonderland into a fucking neighborhood. And there's a map, there's a drawing of the streets and how many units, and it's so congested it looks like fucking Ashburn. It looks like there's a million condos that would go right along seven eight nine and i'm like oh my god can you imagine ron if they had
1: done that well it wouldn't have been condos back then because you know the golf course was built in 1919 it's 100 years old which is another reason they're having it there the usga is having to the open there so but the guy who originally the guy who originally i i know look at
0: those back- look at the i'm looking at it right now by the way and uh, this is – it was uh, someone, Morse, who bought all of the – Samuel Finley Brown Morse. Right. He bought all the, of the uh, – that part of the peninsula. What do they call it? The Del Monte Forest. Yes. they bought. He bought all of it to make sure to preserve it. And you say they wouldn't have been condos because it was 1910. Okay, Fine. Look at those thin sliced lots. What could they build on them?
1: I don't know. I don't know. But you know, the, the original guy who bought it, I you know it's neat. My my sister got married at Clint Eastwoods Ranch, right next door at the Mission Ranch. Nice. So I've spent a lot of time out there. Carmel's my favorite spot on earth besides Pinehurst and Scotland. But uh the right, guy third who built favorite it, this guy, Yeah, Charles Crocker. Have you ever well, first of all have you ever been to Pine or to uh, Pebble Beach?
0: I have. Okay. So I've Charles played, Crocker I've played Spyglass, <laughs> Pebble, um, Poppy Hills mm-hmm. have not played, uh, the big Cypress. Cy- yeah. Cypress still needed, but otherwise Ma- I played those when I was out in California and it was unbelievable. It's was incredible. It's the
1: greatest. Well, Charles Crocker was, you know, he's a railroad guy, railroad guy. And, uh, he's the one who originally opened the Del Monte and then that guy Morse took it over, but the course was built in 1919. And then, you know, what happened is the, after world war two, I think another group came in and bought all the property around it. Well, no, it was the United States Navy. That's right. And they had the Navy postgraduate school there. And then there was some concern about what was going to happen with the golf course then. Hmm. Um, so.
0: Well, thank God they didn't build this. When
1: when would that have been? When would that have been? I don't know. The neighborhood. When would they have decided, when would they have been questioned or, uh, figuring out what they're going to do with the property
0: if they were going I, to develop it. I don't know, but I see what looks... And, and this was tweeted by Sean Martin, who is goes on Twitter as uh, at PGA Tours Martin. And uh, apparently there is a... He said the map is from Neil Hotelling's Great History of Pebble Beach Golf Links. A great read if you get ready for next week. So there you go. Book to read. Neil Hotelling, like hotel L-I-N-G... Mm-hmm. And the history of Pebble Beach Golf Links. So yeah, there you go. And uh, you know, Pebble costs an insane amount of money to play—five hundred bucks plus tip plus caddy plus all that other shit. But you got to do it once in your life.
1: Well, got to do it once. The, but the story is—I mean, I don't know how much time we have. We don't but, have much
0: time because I, I have a few other things I want to run
1: by you. That, how about the Japanese guys buying it though? And then
0: oh yeah, in the, in the in the nineties, I believe <laughs> yeah. Japanese investors bought it, and somehow they fucking took a bath on it.
1: Well, the guy had ties to organized crime Brian told me this when we were who's Brian with him Brian Ferris
0: who's Brian Ferris uh the guy who took us to
1: am I allowed to say it's a Pine oh, Valley whose yes. dad owns the golf course Jesus Dick Christ
0: I'm so sorry Brian Ferris yeah. is a is a god <laughs> to us he took us out and he Pine liked Valley. you and he's Jesus listening. I'm sorry, Brian.
1: <laughs> His dad only owns oh, Pebble Beach with God Clint Eastwood, it. Arnold Palmer, oh, who, of course, God. is no longer with us. Oh, yeah, they God. own it. That's the Pebble Beach Company, and they own it. They own all of them.
0: They bought it from the Japanese when the Japanese took a bath on it?
1: The Japanese bought it. Then another group of Japanese investors came in, and then the Pebble Beach Company bought it. And again, that is Peter Uberoff, Dick Ferris, who's the former chairman of United Airlines. Peter or uh, uh, what's his name, the actor Clint Eastwood and Palmer. Those are the that's Pebble Beach Company. Yeah, and we got to play Pine Valley with him.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah. Now, good stuff. So, uh, how do you think the course will hold up? It's been ten years since they last went back. It was twenty ten when when old uh, 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 what's his name Irishman won McDowell.
1: Graham Graham McDowell. McDowell. you know what they're gonna do? I don't know if you saw the Patrick Cantley Twitter today. Mm-mm. The tweet, oh my god, like seven feet off of number seven. I think it was seven. Yeah, seven. The the uh, rough. Yeah, the rough is insane. Good. You gotta look at this video. So he said it's like that everywhere.
0: So good. It needs uh, to how be because gonna do it. at only seven thousand yards and change, these guys will overpower this place. Yep. I it's like so I like Cantley by the way. Do you like Cantley? Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, of course he's a robot. I love it. And what is, what a story. I mean, you know, the story about his best friend dying in his arms.
0: Yeah. In a car crash.
1: Oh, no. Walked out of a bar out in Arizona and they were tipsy and he didn't, he just walked right out in the road and got flustered and and pulled him and he died right in his arms.
0: Wow. And I think Cantley also had some injuries too that he had overcome. Yes. He was the can't miss kid out of UCLA played one year Played as an amateur at Hartford and shot like 60-nothing or something one day. Yep. Everyone's like, look out for this kid Cantley. And then he just kind of disappeared because he had all this tragedy in his life. But now he's back and uh goddamn good golfer. Unbelievable. He really is. Okay, real quick, let's uh let's end on this. Did you see the video of the son of Pat, of Nicholas Mahout or is it Patrick Mahout? Mahout at the French Open. This guy Mahout loses and he's just in tears sitting on the chair next to the umpire. Who comes running across the Roland Garros' red clay to console his dad but his 10-year-old boy? How about that? I didn't that? see that. I you didn't need to see check. It. happened last Friday. You with one of those aged boys yourself who both loves sports and loves his daddy, I thought would get a real kick out of that. But I will look at it. Ain't that something right there? The the kid sees his dad just all distraught, and he says, "Screw it, I'm gonna yeah. run across the court and go say it's okay, Dad. It's okay." I will
1: watch that, Steve. How about the jackass, the Warriors fan who they find out now is an investor?
0: Yeah, I, I Lowry. I uh, I unloaded my take on that. Clearly, it was uh, it was not a good moment for him. And he got caught up in it. But the the, the overreaction is frankly insane, if you ask mm, me. I,
1: I, I, you know what? I beg to differ because you cannot touch those guys. If they're going to come, if you're going to sit there, there's no re- – you know, it's more the douchebaggery of the guy How to about, do it.
0: They, okay, understood. Uh, here's the thing, though. Russell Westbrook tells a fan and his wife in Utah, I will fuck you up, I guarantee it, and your yeah. wife too, he gets a $25,000 fine. Yeah. And then they – they, they suspend the fan for life, kick him out, they say he can't come to any more games. Now, the fan said right. he wasn't saying anything wrong. Westbrook said, he said, get back on your knees like you usually do, and I took that as racial. The guy yeah. was like, no. He said, go sit down and ice your knees like you usually do. Yeah. So that who knows what, what was said, said, Yeah. but just for interacting, these. But you can't push the guy. I mean, what is he doing? What a douche. He got, he got a little bit too into it. But well, whatever happened the, to sense of proportion, whatever happened to, okay, you kick him out of the game, that's appropriate, you say you can't sit courtside the rest of the series, but this is not a federal fucking incident. This was a tiny little push and a little verbal exchange. We've lost all sense of proportion. This guy well, could be, I, Ron, I understand this that. guy could be a great guy who had a bad moment.
1: I don't think a great guy would ever... Stoop to that level. That, that's which where you're I wrong. Think a, I think you're it, now I ascribing know, to
0: you're ascribing to him the okay. I'm judging him on five seconds. How is he as a father, as a philanthropist, as a member of a board of directors, a, as a community member? How is he at church on Sunday? You don't know any of this. I don't know no, any. Of this. I don't
1: know that, but I know that he did not. He obviously doesn't know how to hold his emotions in a situation such as that. And to pull what, I mean, what in your right mind would make you think that you could reach Ben? It's not what you that make you think you could it's why would you ever do it? Why would you ever reach over and push a guy? Maybe he thought he was, maybe
0: he thought he had Drake privileges. No,
1: it's because they were losing and well, he was a fucking he was pissed off. Yeah, a, yeah,
0: he was a douchebag. And I rich agree. Douche.
1: There's I, nothing worse than rich douches. You see, I know. you know, it's great. If, quickly, I know we gotta go, but for you know what I do when I watch NBA games and I watch a lot of them is in, in college games, is I look at the people up front and I look at you know the fans and the, the people who are sitting on the floor or sitting in the first couple of rows, and I can I'm not gonna say I can judge a city based on that, but you you see so much, and I am amazed at how fucking dorky and douchebagish the fans are. Oh at, I know. No, at Gold, in Golden State in Oakland. Oh, Oakland's they're the worst. Hole, first of all, right? They're not. The none clothes, of them are from Oakland. The woman, yeah, the women with their fucking titties hanging out, <laughs> and their gaudy ass. Their I agree. plastic surgery and their awful clothes. And then you—it's I it's funny. I watch like Oklahoma City, and I see kind of the same thing. It's a little bit of the new money look. Oh,
0: it's oil money. You know, this and
1: that. That's why I always get kicked out. of It's one of my favorite things of watching anybody. The anybody Lakers back in the day is seeing the subject people on the you know on the sidelines. Nicholson and those guys. You Here's know? the thing.
0: I will. I will at least defend being reasonable for a guy who's clearly a douchebag. The guy's worth like four billion dollars or something. So the hundred, the five hundred thousand dollar fine is not going to phase him. But here's the thing, I'll defend the douchebag because guess what? The next incident won't be so clear cut. A player will crash into the front row on the road. There'll be some scuffling. There'll be some intertangled arms and legs. Someone may say something. He may think somebody, a player may think somebody pushed him. Remember, Ron Artest went after the wrong kid at the malice at the palace. These my players don't
1: my my dad represented Steven Jackson. Yeah. In that.
0: These players <laughs> These players are also the these players are also super hot headed and entitled themselves. Okay, they're in a lot of ways they're every bit as douchey as the fans sitting there courtside, and sometimes they go into the crowd on the road and there's a bunch of arms and legs and people entangled with them. They might feel like, hey, somebody pushed me or somebody hit me. They don't know what the fuck happened. They just react. That's exactly yeah. what Artés did. So this time it was clear. Artest got something thrown at him. Remember? Yeah, but not leaning. by the...
1: He was sitting on the... They you know, threw, somebody, the threw,
0: a, somebody threw a cup of ice that landed near him. It didn't hit him, but yeah. here's my point. He got up and went after the wrong guy. Yeah. yeah this I, time yeah. it was clear, Ron. Next time it won't be so clear, and you and I will talk about it next time it happens, because trust me, a precedent has now been set. Anytime a player whines about, oh, he touched me, the league is going to have to swing in and hand down draconian action. I mean, a year ban and a... Half a million dollar fine? You fucking kidding me? But okay, that's the NBA now. It's all about image. So, well, and the let's owner. Be and the,
1: yeah. Let's be honest. White guy pushes black player. Oh.
0: oh yeah, and of course, and it was it was during the wrong week possible in which yes. they were talking about eliminating the word owner because yeah. it was deemed to be yeah. offensive. And this guy walked into the wrong situation at yes. the wrong time. So in that regard, I don't feel bad for him at all. I am defending the principle. I'm arguing for. Just be careful. The next one's going to be worse. Mark my words. Gotcha. All right. Very good. Ronnie, good to talk. As always, we'll chat next week. All right, brother. Love you. See you, buddy. (laughs) Let's end on this today. The Southeastern Conference has said they want to get away from being in a no-comment world anymore when it comes to officiating. Their coordinator of football officials, Steve Shaw, said that they're pushing network executives – that broadcast SEC games, that would be CBS, ESPN, and others, or maybe that's just the two entities, they want the networks to add a officiating expert available for comment on broadcasts. They also want to include a Twitter account that helps explain some of the calls. I'm not against this per se, but at some point you wonder, is this really good for the game? Does this not just fuel more people bitching about this call, that call, why do you do this? Why do you do that? College football is rife with many dicey calls. It's just and if you watch the Pac-12, holy shit. Yeah. Pac-12 games, you better buckle up cuz Pac-12 officials, the shittiest, craziest, inconsistentist, if that's even a word, referees you you'll see in college football. But that said, I don't know if just having more people commenting on the calls is going to placate the masses anymore. But at least the SEC is saying, yeah, we should probably add this. I know this, I wish I had invested in a referee broadcast training company about five, ten years ago. Maybe it's not too late. Pretty much a referee broadcast academy. You work with zebras, to learn how to be decent on television. To avoid being Mike Carey and be more like, um, uh, what's his name? The godfather of all referee television personalities. Why can I not think of his name right now? It's been a long day. Been a long day thinking and thinking and thinking. But yeah, less less uh, Jeff Triplett, who was a failure on TV, and more Mike Pereira. That's it. Ding. I knew it would come to me. Just had to sit tight for that. Yeah, I could have cleaned up. Uh, Maybe you still can open the ref because you gotta coach these refs up on how to be good on TV. And if they're once they're good on TV, there's gonna be jobs. This is a growth industry. Every network, every level of football, every league pro college needs a, a referee to explain the rules of the game that we all used to know, but we don't now. And you need referees in the booth to then watch replays. And say, oh, I think it is going to be overturned. Oh, I think it's not going to be overturned. It's a huge growth position. And I should have been at the forefront of it, but wasn't quick enough. wasn't shrewd enough. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for downloading. Get the Zabecast app. It is absolutely free. Look for it in your Google Play or iTunes store, although iTunes is going away. So whatever new app, Apple Designs or whatever new ecosystem, I haven't read up just exactly what it is, you'll find it. Wherever your apps are distributed, go and search ZabeCast, get it downloaded. All the episodes of me are handily compiled for your listening pleasure. Thank you very much for listening. Have yourself a great night and we will see you next time. The right detail can bump your wardrobe up a notch. Kick off this year by letting Indochino upgrade your style with customized suits, shirts, chinos, bomber jackets and more without spending a fortune. Indochino clothing is made to your exact measurements and you can customize every detail. Give yourself a style edit that sets the tone for the rest of the year with Indochino. Get $50 off any purchase of 3 dollars or more with promo code STYLE at Indochino.com. That's Indochino.com promo code STYLE.